pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our salvation. Amen. Pastor Timon mentioned over the next weeks, we're going to be focusing on the messages of light in contrast to darkness and how light gradually came to a darkened world. This morning, the theme is the light rising or the rising light. Isaiah, in our first lesson, wrote, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Darkness and light will be the theme of our message today and for the rest of the next few weeks. There is something to be said for darkness. If we didn't have darkness, we couldn't see the wonderful created bodies in the skies each night, the stars, the moon, the planets, and so on. Really remarkable, the Milky Way and all the constellations and that. And once in a while, we need to see in the darkness those beautiful glimpses of light to appreciate God's good creation. So that's to be said for darkness. Other things can be said for darkness. Romantic men and women love candlelight dinners. You know part of the reason that's true? It's because in a darkened room, we all look better, right? Those stretch marks, those, all those creases and wrinkles, they all, well, they go away. Darkness can sometimes conceal reality. So there's different reasons why we can appreciate darkness. Really, there is. That said... Darkness also has its downsides. If you're a worrier, if you're a person that's just chronically an anxious person, things look darker at night, don't they? You wake up maybe from a sleep and something's been banging around in your synapses and all of a sudden you're wide awake and you worry at 2.30 in the morning. And when you're worrying in darkness, it seems more oppressive, more threatening. In the light of day, things look a lot better. So things can be said well for darkness. No question about that. Darkness affects our mood. There can be a physiological, a physical reaction when people go for extended periods without seeing a whole lot of light. When they go through an extended period of darkness. Five, six years ago now, I went back to my hometown to celebrate an anniversary of our high school graduation. I sat beside Gary, and and as we hadn't connected for a lot of years, a couple of decades, we kind of caught up in what we were doing and where and family and all that sort of thing. I learned that Gary had spent almost all his career working for the Federal Social Security Administration. And in the five years prior to that anniversary... He had been stationed in Anchorage, Alaska. And naturally then the conversation gets to go through how it is to live in in Alaska. My wife and I have been up there, but only once, and that was late summertime. So at some point in the conversation I asked Gary what it's like to go through a winter in Anchorage, Alaska. He said, well, it's not as bad as being up on the far north, Barrow Point, Barrow, Alaska, But he said during the dark days of winter, there are in Anchorage maybe four to five hours of kind of twilight light, twilight darkness. 
the sun, he said, only rises a little bit above the horizon, five, eight degrees, something like that. So most of the day is really dark. It's really light. And it begins to mess with your mind, he says. And by the first week of March, you're ready to go anywhere and do almost anything just to get more daylight into your 24 hours. If it becomes severe enough, that phenomenon, it blends and finally devolves into something called seasonal affective disorder. The acronym is SAD, SAD. What an appropriate acronym, right? Seasonal affective disorder when, when the numbers of hours in a day of darkness are greatly more than those of light. It's an emotional disorder. Some people experience this of different degrees in the different months of the dark days of the year. Folks who have SAD feel fatigued, low energy level, and often become very, very depressed. That fatigue and that loss of energy and that level of depression can then lead to eating disorders and alcoholism and really a whole menu of behavioral problems. Sad. Seasonal affective disorder. You and I know that it doesn't have to be wintertime and you don't have to live in Anchorage, Alaska to be affected by these kinds of mood swings, this kind of funk, this kind of melancholy, this kind of disorder sometimes if it's severe enough. Today, more and more of us seem to be singing the blues at every time of the year. According to the Centers for Disease Control, depression is the second leading cause of disability for Americans between the ages of 15 and 44. Depending on who's talking, we may be past COVID and the pandemic related to COVID. Those were some dark months, weren't they? 2020, most of 2021, the lockdowns, the lack of activity, the isolation, the loneliness, dark because of the lack of interaction often with family members and even with people in your workplace, dark months. A study from Boston University tells us that during the months of COVID, those dark months, antidepressant medications increased in sales, as did domestic violence, and as did the reports of people reporting thoughts of suicide. Rates of people reporting a significant level of depression nearly tripled from 2019 to 2021, from about 7 or 8% of the population, adult population, to maybe 24, 27, 28%. Those were dark nights for a lot of people. Depression and dark nights of the soul, we are told, are part of, at least involved in, as many as two-thirds of the 35,000, 40,000 and more suicides each year just in the United States. It's because people find themselves in a very, very, very dark place. And there is no light in any tunnel anywhere. It's new, but it's old. We are certainly not unique in our experiences of the blues, the funk, the melancholy, the depression in the 21st century. 
Abraham Lincoln had severe periods of clinical depression, no question about that. His law partner once said of Abraham Lincoln, his melancholy drips from him as he walks. Charles Dickens was challenged by it. Isaac Newton challenged by it. More recently, Ashley Judd challenged by it. The Rock now we hear challenged by it as well. All folks who have wrestled with that demon of isolation and finally depression. Frank Sinatra once famously said, I'm for anything that gets you through the night, be it prayer, meditation, or a bottle of Jack Daniels. And it may well be true, and I think it is, that when Frank Sinatra was buried in 1998, he was accompanied in his casket by a bottle of his favorite whiskey. I believe that's to be true. Quick fixes, though, hardly ever are fixers. They usually end with more complications and finally even more depression. If this morning you are challenged with severe depression, wild mood swings, then search out a good counselor and get some help. If you can stand at the corner of Main Street and Highway 14 at 1 o'clock in the afternoon on a brilliant, sunlit, late autumn day as we'll have this week and still there be in a very dark place, then find some professional help. Begin a mending journey. Strong people get help. If you do know of someone in darkness, encourage them to get help as well. You don't need to be a fixer. Sometimes just be a friend. Just be a friend. To our text this morning from the book of Isaiah. Arise, shine, your light has come. Arise, shine, your light has come. The people in Isaiah's day, whether it was on a personal basis or on a national basis, knew a whole lot about melancholy, about the funk, about the blues, about levels of depression. Psalm, 9, Psalm 88, rather, is, is absolutely a cry of despair. If you, if you want to read a passage from the Bible that is just absolutely melancholy and full of the deep, dark blues, read Psalm chapter 88. It ends with these words, Darkness has become my friend. Just a few passages later, Psalm 91, verse 6. There's a reference to the pestilence that wastes at midday. And there are very good students of the Bible who believe that may refer to clinical depression. I think it does. King David was challenged. Ezekiel and Isaiah as well. To a people in deep darkness in personal darkness, and certainly in darkness as a nation. Isaiah has a word of hope. Isaiah points to a rising light. Let me take just two quick chapters and relate how dramatically Isaiah's tone changed from Isaiah chapter 59 to Isaiah chapter 50. Isaiah chapter 59 with Psalm 88 is a lament. It's again one of those dark, foreboding, melancholy passages from the Old Testament and and one of the darker ones in the whole Bible. 
Words describing darkness and depression and death appear 17 times in eight verses in Isaiah chapter 59. Twice in every verse. It's amazing. The chapter, Isaiah 59, uses words like deceit and wickedness, disorder and turmoil, violence, evil, destruction and devastation. And the comment in in, uh, Isaiah 59 is, everything that is good is far away from us. We can't even reach it. We can barely see it. It's nowhere. No one is around to help out, and they're even questioning God. The people, the nation, all in a very, very dark place. Let me mention a comparison here. I don't know if you saw this on the internet four or five days ago now, I think. NASA released a nighttime photo of, West, of, of Eastern Europe, especially and in including the nation of Ukraine. They did this to show what has happened to Ukraine following the cruise missile and the drone attacks on the electrical grid and the infrastructure of that nation. It was dramatic. In the nations around Ukraine in the early evening, the land was lighted up, like, like you see, you've seen these of America probably on the internet as well. But they're right in the middle of that picture, the nation of Ukraine was almost completely dark. On several levels this morning, Ukraine is in a very, very dark place. We admire their courage. We admire their gumption. We admire their willingness to fight. But winter is setting in, and it can be gruesome over there. There's no guarantee of the outcome of the war in Ukraine right now. And the winter may be harsh because of a lack or at least a reduction of heat and of light. There's a nation today that's in a very, very dark place. In much the same way, the nation of Israel in Isaiah's time was in a very, very dark place. They were in exile. They had lost their nation. They had lost much of their culture as they left their geographical center. They had lost their religious center. They had lost their identity. Isaiah chapter 59 is a long lament of all the things that had gone wrong to them as they had been destroyed by a foreign adversary. Isaiah 59, dark, foreboding, foreboding, almost depressing. Then Isaiah chapter 60, there Isaiah is bold to make a promise and an observation. Arise, shine, O Israel, your light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen for you. In chapter 60, by contrast to 59, the word light appears seven times. There are other light words in that chapter. Shine and brightness and splendor and glory and sun. It's a brilliant light show, Isaiah 60 is. So you have this this really depressive spiritual darkness in Isaiah chapter 59. And then on the other hand, you have this exhilarating spiritual light in chapter 60. What a wonderful message for the people of Israel to hear. Arise, shine, your light has come. There's hope. The light is rising for you, O Israel. Be of courage. 
Look around you. See what God is doing. See what God has done. Now from Isaiah chapter 60 to Crystal Lake, Illinois, 2022. For some of us, our lives may be darker than others. For some of us, we're in a twilight dark. For some of us, it's moonlit dark. For some of us, it's jet black dark. We're in the dark sometimes, at least spiritually, because of our relationships, because of our family, because of our health issues, because of our career, because of financial issues. Any of these factors in our lives can be tinged with the darkness of the night of our soul. We wait for a a word of hope. For those who are in the darkest of the dark, for the least, the lonely, the left out, the least and the little ones, God promises a light that changes their life. For others of us, maybe most of us, our world has more light and our circumstances are more pleasant. And yet Isaiah says, lift up your eyes and look around you. This season, this Advent, this Christmas, don't be surprised, Isaiah would tell you, Don't be surprised, Isaiah would tell me, if even as blessed as you are, God might not shine in your life, in some little part of your world, a light that lightens the darkness. So this Advent, coming closer to Christmas, look around you. Sense God's good creation. Appreciate your relationships. Wallow in the good love that God has prepared for you this Advent and Christmas season. Look around you and see the rising light. See the rising light. God did not create us to be strong without him. That's why he's interested in and invested in our weakness. He came to earn forgiveness for every sin, to shine light in every dark day, and to provide an anchor for every deadly storm. Dr. James Dobson, once the leader of the Focus on Family Ministry in Colorado Springs, relayed a story oftentimes about the hope that comes at Christmas time, beginning in Advent. I don't recall reading whether the story is factual or not, it may or may not be, but it's a wonderful metaphor for Advent and Christmas. James Dobson related the story of an elderly woman named Stella Thornhope. Her husband has died, had died and, and she was now facing the first Christmas by herself without her husband. Some of you have gone through that yourself. You know the pain and the isolation. At the same time, a severe storm was moving in and she feared that she might be isolated for two or three days, cut off from just about everybody. Despondent Stella Thornhope decided she wasn't even going to decorate for Christmas this year, the first time ever since she'd been married. One afternoon, the doorbell rang and there was a delivery boy holding a box. He said, Mrs. Thornhope, and she said, yes, He said, Mrs. Thornhope, would you please sign here? And she took the pad and she signed it. As she did that, she also invited him to step inside to get away from the wind that already was blowing. 
She signed that paper and then she asked, what's in the box? Because here that man was delivering, that young man was delivering a box. The young man laughed and opened the box and Stella saw very quickly that inside was a little bundle of fur, a little puppy. This is for you, man, the boy said. Six weeks old, completely housebroken. Well, who sent this? Mrs. Thornhope said. The young man put the puppy down and handed her an envelope and said, It's all explained in this letter. It was ordered months ago and it was meant to be a Christmas present for you. But who sent it, Stella insisted. Your husband, ma'am. Merry Christmas. The young boy left. Stella opened the letter from her husband. He had written it weeks, almost a couple of months before he died. And he left it with the kennel owner to be delivered with the puppy. The letter was full of love and care and encouragement. He vowed to wait for her. He then explained that he had sent this puppy to keep her company until they got together on the other side of eternity, on the other side of light, on the other side of time, on the other side into eternity. She wiped away the tears and she put down the letter. She picked up that little ball of squirm and held it to her neck. Then she looked out the windows and saw the, the lights on the houses of her neighbors. And she heard from her radio the strains of the Christmas song, Joy to the World, the Lord is Come. And Stella felt a sensation of peace coming over her soul that was magnitude stronger than her feelings of despair and loneliness only an hour earlier. She spoke to that little dog. Little fellow, she said, it's just you and me. Do you know what? There's a, there's a box down in the basement that I think you'll like. It's got a little Christmas tree in it, and there are some lights that are going to impress you. And there's a manger scene down there as well. How about, let's go get it. Today becomes Advent 2022. What Isaiah promised and foretold about a rising light coming to a dark and bleak world came to us not in a cardboard box, but in a manger. Jesus is the light of the world who became human so that he might take us into his arms, heal our hearts and our hurts, forgive our sins, and destroy our darkness. He is that blazing, brilliant, eternal light. We'll come that day. We'll come that day when we will stand with the Trinity in eternity, when we will rejoice with our relatives, And when we will sing with the saints, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Until that day comes, let's go get it. Amen and amen.